0: Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. So we're in a series, y'all, and the series is called Searching for Me. Because, you know, you use that phrase growing up, somebody trying to find themselves, all that. And that's essentially what we're saying about us, that we are in the process of figuring out who we are, knowing our identity, discovering more in this process of not just looking in the mirror, but seeing what God has made us for and what he's called us to do. Who does he say we are? And what we've said is that we've, in order to know who we are, we've got to look in the past. We've got to understand where we've been and the world that we were shaped in. Talked about last week, the world I came up in, my family. Uh, and, 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 you know, like us all, man, I've got so many people in my family I'm so proud of. I told you that 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 to the bottom left-hand corner, that's justice Roberson, my great grandfather, a great pioneer, a great man of God. And then, then my grandfather, James T. Roberson Sr., and my daddy, James T. Roberson Jr., and me, James Roberson. I'm so proud of the pioneers of my family, I'm so proud of them. But like your family, you only got to get a little bit outside the great people to see where the drama and the trauma is, right? That if the more that you press into the, the people, The brothers, the sisters, the divorces, the the, the tensions, the people that don't talk anymore, that's in all our families. We all came up in some kind of fractured cycle of sin. And and, and the reality is is that as we are looking and peering into our past to see where we've come from and to discover who we are, the scriptures tell us in, in Exodus 34, 6, and 7. This is what it says. The Lord, the Lord is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin. God is good. Blessings will go on to blessings generational blessings, the goodness of a family will be passed on to the children. But this idea of a baton being passed down isn't just for blessings, it's also for cycles of sin, cursings. And what it says is, but he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the father's iniquity on the children and the grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. Now understand the word there bring doesn't mean you are mandated to do what you came from. Doesn't mean that you're mandated to do the blessings that you came from. Essentially, the word bringing there is this idea of a visitor coming to visit you, knocking at your door and wanting to be in your world, because it's a part of the family dynamic that you come from, the structures that you come from. And we talked about this last week. Y'all remember that analogy I gave last week? Amen, amen, somebody, amen. Remember the last week that you talked about this in Citigroup, we asked what's been knocking at your door? And we said that you've got things that were happening in your family. And this week, you got into some tension and anger. You know, because anger has been in your family. I mean, that's how people handle their problems. They exploded. They wilded out. And anger knocked on your door this week. And you looked down and you said, who is it? Anger anger said, you know who it is. You know what's up. And you you looked out and you said, no, 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 I'm I'm, I'm going to handle this a certain way. You said, I'll handle it. Anger said, I got this. We know how we handle things where you're from. Come on now. And you said, no, 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 no. You got the right person, but you got the wrong address. I'm in Christ now. No, 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 I don't operate that way anymore. That that doesn't define me. My last name doesn't define me. My last name is in Christ. I'm walking in this now. That's who I am. Yeah, no, 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 you can't come in. And you were like, yeah, yeah, you told your friends, yeah, I told them the address. Yeah, 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 I'm fighting sin, yeah. And we felt good about it. And that was good. Yeah. But Valentine's Day happened, amen? (laughs) Amen, amen. And lust, lust came knocking at the door. And you peeked out. And lust said, what's up, big head? What you doing? What you doing? And and you you looked out and you said, Lust, go away. And lust was like, you know me, come on now. And you said, go away. I'm not dealing with you. You already know what's up. And then you were like, because right address, wrong address, like Christ house. Oh, um, hold up. Whew. Okay, chill. All right, all right. No, okay, no. You no, okay? New house. Lust said. I don't even know what that means. (laughs) I said, come on now. It's it's cold out here. Oh, my God. You going to go let me in? And you said, stop. Stop. You so stupid. You cold, though? You cold? It's cold. Come on in. And and the reality is that for for us, we go through this world where we we want to operate in this new house of living in Christ, but we know we invite things in that we know we don't want in our lives. And what do we feel? What do we feel? Well, we forget that, listen now, sin has has a last name. All sin has a last name. You know, because lust, you lie down with it. Woke up in the morning. Luss was like, okay, I'm going to go. Okay, I'm going to go. All right? I'm going to talk to you. All right? And you're like, hey, I I didn't get your last name. What was your last name? And Luss was like, oh, shame. That's my last name. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the other side of who I am. I'm shame. My middle name's guilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's who I really am. I only gave you my first name because I wanted to get in, but that's all of me. And the reality is that whenever, it could be unforgiveness, it could be jealousy, all that. The last name of sin is shame when you're a believer and you want to begin to operate in who you are called to be. And the reality for us tonight is that we are going to walk deeper in our identity in Christ. We are going to go stronger in who we are and knowing whose we are. Amen? Amen. And so the reality of this is that... Um, there, there is a phrase that you're going to constantly see in Ephesians. It's, it says, in Christ and in the beloved, right? And, and it's this idea that we are now given a new position in Christ, that we are in Christ. And now through the Holy Spirit, Christ is in us. Um, but we are not going to talk about that this week. We're going to talk about that next week. We have a, a great woman of God coming to preach next week. Her name is D- Dr. Uh, Marlinda Ireland. Now, uh, her husband, David Ireland, is an international speaker. Um, They have a church out in New Jersey that's about 10,000 members, so it's an awesome thing to have her here. Yet, I forget that many of our people uh, may not know know certain terminology. So four o'clock service, I said she has a demon, and I meant D, Doctor of Ministry. I said demon, and people were like, okay. Okay, you're going to—somehow this going to work out, Pastor. DMin, doctor of ministry. Praise God. She has a D-Min. So that's going to be awesome. Amen? All right, so what we're wanting to do um, today is we are wanting to see this picture of knowing God more and knowing where he's brought us from. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter one, that God is trying to unleash, unveil, put on display all he has given us. So listen to the language. It says in Ephesians chapter one, verse three, it says, blessed is the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual Blessing in the heavens in Christ, okay? So just I want you to just keep that phrase in your mind, every spiritual blessing. He goes on in verse six. He says, to the praise of his glorious grace that he's lavished on us in the beloved one. He's lavished grace on us. And then in verse seven, it says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Look what it says. According to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. Paul, the apostle, is trying to get a point across. This imagery of saying we have every spiritual blessing, saying that he's lavished on us forgiveness, saying that he's richly poured out on us. He's showing this idea that God has this abundance, this generosity of spiritual blessings that he's wanting to show and put on display and have all over us. You know what that word lavish means? What lavishes? You ever been like, I don't know your situation, right? Um, Some of y'all were broke, those of you that when you got married, if you were broke and your parents didn't have any money, you got married, right? Maybe you did it. Maybe a friend, uh, you know, did the wedding, you know, you got the certificate and you did it. And, you know, everybody went over to your mama's house after. Who knows? Who knows what you did, right? But you got married because it was about getting married because you were broke and you love God and that's great. And then you get married and do what married people do. Amen. But this is what happens, right? There's some people, you go to their wedding, it's nice. Oh, we have having shrimp and filet mignon. Oh, wow. You look, on the, you look on the napkin, and the napkin is not just meant to be a napkin. It's like Picasso, and you're just like, oh, my gosh, and there's writing on it. And it's just crazy because they have a lavish wedding. They went over the top. Lavish means luxurious. means expensive. Yeah. I mean, it means a lot. That's what lavish means. And look what he says. He doesn't say God is rich. It says God is richly poured out. It means that God is wanting to put his riches on display in you, that he's wanting to show off his riches on you. How many of y'all know Payless just closed down? Let's just grieve. Let's just grieve for a second. Let's just grieve for a second. No more Christmas gifts. Come on. My, my 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 mom would buy my cousin shacks. You know those shacks, those shacks. I'm be like, mom, those are not cool. She was like, it's like Jordan. I'm like, it's actually not. Is they're not. That's not the same thing, right? And then my mom, I mean, and again, if you have children, if you put your kid in Jordans, again, I'm not hating on you. My mom, she would hate on you. She'd be like, they gave that baby Jordans. Mm-hmm. With the leather on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? So my mom would just talk about you. Pray for my mom. But my, my point is, my point is, right? Like like when you show off how much you have, we call that being lavish. And that's what God is saying. God is saying, I have expensive blessings that I want to show off on my kids. I've got great riches that he says I've poured out. And the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 8 9, though he was rich for the sake he became poor so that by his poverty, you might become rich, rich, spiritually blessed. This idea of a blessing the, the words here in, in, in the Greek, the word blessing, it is, uh, it is akin to the idea of a eulogy. And when a eulogy is given, it means that you speak well of someone. And what is happening here is that God the Father is speaking a blessing over you and acknowledging to you that he is going to provide everything you need for your life. The word blessed... Essentially says that God has every joy and benefit your heart and soul needs and longs for. Everything. Everything is taken care of by your father. In the Old Testament, a blessing would be this public declaration of a favored status with God. And it would tell of your prosperity and your success. And it was meant to guide you and motivate you in life. Now, here's the problem. Now, if you haven't listened to the first sermon, you got to listen to the first sermon. We talked about being adopted. But essentially, what has happened here is that you've got these, this community of people that have been adopted into God's relationship, into God's economy now. And yet, the Bible says that we will struggle with that, struggling to believe that God will essentially continue to love us and bless us. So one of the things in looking in our past, we've got to realize what was the entryway into this relationship with God in the first place? How did we get hooked up with the Lord? And how did we get all these blessings? Because if you don't know how you got all the blessings, you won't appreciate what God has given you. Spoiled children don't have a lot. They don't appreciate what they have. And so the reality here is, we're gonna look at what God has done for us. Look at verse seven, chapter one. In him we have redemption through his blood. We may not understand what that word redeem means, but the word redeem essentially means to buy out. It means to buy someone out of slavery who was in captivity and now they have freedom. This term was used to say that essentially we were in bondage to sin and Christ's death on a cross therefore not only pays for that sin, but then brings us into entryway, into relationship with him. Scripture we don't like to wrestle with, but the Bible says that we, we were slaves to sin. Now I know that we come up in a culture that has chattel slavery and we wrestle with the idea of slavery to sin, but this is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. Romans 7 verses 17 to 18, for the desire to do what is good with me, I'm sorry, for the desire to do what is good is with me, but there's no ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do that. How deep is that? I mean, you don't have to have a theological degree. You don't have to have a demon. Amen. You don't have to have a demon to know that this is what we do. Come on now. We know this. You know this. I, 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 was, I was not even a Christian. I was reading this. I was like, mm-hmm, that's true. <laughs> a lot of stuff I say I'm going to do. It. I don't do it. right. So, And this is what the Bible says. Look in and so earlier in Romans chapter six is what it says. Don't you know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey. Look at what it says there. You may not want to call it slavery and you may not say that sin is your master, but you can't say no. You're a slave to the one you obey. Essentially, you are finding this, so the way that the Bible puts it, it's saying that, slave, that, that, that sin is a power source that draws us, that, that, that we know that there are things that we should not do, and we know good and well we shouldn't do them, and we find ourselves pulled to it like, oh my gosh, here I'm again. And the reality is that we know we're not supposed to tell lies, how deep is that? Every religion says don't lie. You can make up a religion and it's going to say don't lie to people. I mean, come on. Right? Every religion, every religion says don't break your promises, do what you say you're going to do, follow the golden rule, justice, equity. Everybody in the world feels like you should tell the truth and don't kill people. That's pretty basic, right? But functionally The problem in understanding the psychology of sin is not saying we just choose to do good and bad. The scriptures are telling us we are drawn to it. We have this magnetism towards sin. Even though we say no, there's something in us that says yes. The Bible pictures this as mastery and slavery. So what did Jesus do? He redeemed us from sin. He redeemed us. If you've ever gotten your car towed, I pray you don't get your car towed here in the great city of New York, but if you do get your car towed, I have. Um, when you walk in, um, you bring your, your your ticket, whatever they give you, the, the signature, the thing that they gave you to tell you that you've fallen into sin, right? And they so you bring it in there and you walk in and you know, I'm looking around, just like, where, where do I go? Where do I go? And I'm mad. You know, I'm mad. I don't even know where I park, but I'm just mad, right? And I'm looking around, and they're, you know, they're like, don't go here. Go over there. And they have this thing called Redemption Center, all right? So you bring over your 189 bajillion dollar fine, right? You walk over there, and I'm just like, okay, you know, here, here's my deal. Here's my, here's my little sin ticket, right? And I give it to them. And then they, they stamp it. And you know what they stamped it with? They didn't say paid, it said redeemed. Now, the reason why is because I wasn't just paying a debt. I was trying to get my car out of captivity, right? They had essentially taken my car and was holding it ransom until I paid for it. But I didn't just pay for it to look at my car. I said, that is now my possession and that's mine. I was paying for the debt so I could receive something. And so the challenge we have, the reason why we deal with so much of our relationship with God is because it is hard for us to move from a slave mentality to a son's mentality of knowing that God loves us and has redeemed us and has caused us to be his precious possession. Now he's ours, we are his. I talked about last week that uh, adoption, this idea of being a son, Essentially means that we have security now. That God's not gonna let us go. He's paid a high price for us. He's not just gonna let us go. We're children of God now. Anybody ever been fired here? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. We're not at that level yet. You ever been fired? I've been fired horrible feeling, horrible feeling. You get fired and um, got fired from a job. And, I, and let me just acknowledge, I was not good at the job. You know, I want to blame people in my heart. I want to blame them and say they didn't like me and they didn't like me, but they didn't like me because I wasn't good at what I was doing. <laughs> but I was not good at this job. And a week before I got fired, I could feel the heat. You know the heat when you're like, I'm going to lose my job. So I'm just kind of like coming in early. I'm staying late. I'm still not good at it. It's just like, it's a struggle. It's like, man, I'm just I'm not good at my job. And, and so the reality is, it's like, when you're not, when you feel like you could be fired, you walk around in insecurity. You're just saying, this could end. You're unsure. So you're operating in this, this, this boss employee kind of vibe, always wanting to please. And some of you may even have a relationship with your parents like that, where you were constantly performing and you could never do enough. You could never feel this sense like our relationship is secure. And some of us apply that to our relationship with God, that we are insecure with our relationship with God. We do not have a son's mentality. And if you are insecure with your relationship with God, You can sing all the songs, you're good, and we talk about the freedom of God, all those things, but they they have not worked their 18 inches way down to your heart, from your head to your heart, and acknowledging, no, I believe this, because you can believe in the goodness of God, but not think he wants to be good to you. Essentially, when we operate in this sense, we believe that God runs out of his resources for us. He's got it. You're like, I know you've got a lot of forgiveness. I know you got a lot of joy in there. I know you got a lot of peace. But is there anything else in your like spiritual fridge? Anything else in there, God? Like, you have any more? You, you essentially think that God is poor and runs out of resources, or you believe that he's a rich dad who's just stingy with his resources. That he doesn't want to give to you. That maybe there's something you've done so egregious that he can't get over it. Essentially, you have this incredible world where God is rich with blessings and wanting to bless you, but you still operate like a slave. And even if God is generous, if you do not access his generosity, you are essentially a high-paid slave. You do not access all that God has for you. So you, we want to become more secure in our relationship with the Lord. We want to appreciate all that God has. We want to access the blessings of God. Amen? We want to access that. You see, God's got, if you look back at, in Ephesians, it says that he's rich with forgiveness. And he wants to show it off. That means we, sh- we, sh- we should be dripping in forgiveness. Oh, my God. We should just come through with forgiveness. Just forget. Just forgiveness is dripping all over the place. I'm just forgiving. He touched me, he just forgave me. It's got forgiveness all over the place. Forgiveness should be just shining all over us. Particularly, let me just give a side note. Particularly for people that are like saying sorry. Like if they said sorry, or I mean, I get it. But I'm not talking about if they did something like horrible. Now I'm just saying like, you know, that little stupid stuff we do. Like if somebody did something stupid and they said they're sorry, and you still not want to forgive this, you got deep, 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 deep issues. Amen. Amen. So I'm just saying we should be drenching with it. Because we don't know how much we have. All that we have. All that God has forgiven, all that God has done. It should just be shining all over us. We're so rich. It's an incredible story in Luke chapter 7 of this this woman who really appreciated who God was. Crazy scene. Luke 7, you should read it, it's amazing. Jesus was the kind of guy that was just not really concerned about what room he was in. He could hang out with tax collectors and Pharisees and prostitutes and lepers, and he was in this room with all these Pharisees—these dudes that didn't even like him. You know what I mean? He's in the room, and they're all stingy and religious and highfalutin and all this stuff, right? Jesus is in there doing his thing, being Jesus, right? He's talking. All of a sudden, this woman of the night walks in. All right, she comes in there, and and as she comes in there, and She begins to fall to his feet. she begins to cry. And she's just like, Jesus, I love you. Oh, I care for you so much. And she's, she's crying so much that they are drenching the feet of Jesus. And then she begins to take her hair. And I mean, she's just falling all over the place. She's just like wiping his feet with her hair. And then she's just like, oh, my gosh, I'm messing up Jesus' feet. Oh, my gosh. So she just takes this incredible thing called nard. It's got this beautiful smell out of this alabaster box. And she begins to pour it out on the feet of Jesus, wanting to bless him and wash his feet and give this incredible aroma and this smell. And she doesn't care what the Pharisees are thinking. And all the while, the Pharisees are like, Jesus, get your girl. What are you doing? She's wild. she on the floor. This is alabaster. Come on, man. Get her up. Have some decorum. But there she is. She's just, she's just crying. She's just, oh, Jesus, I love you so much. Oh, my God. Jesus. And, and, you know, there's this moment where Jesus goes, oh, you don't, like, you, don't like, you don't like her down on her feet? You don't like her down there? Let me give you a little story. There's two people who owe money. He says one owes a great debt. The other owes a small debt. He says a great benefactor essentially pays off both their debts. Which one of them do you think appreciated, appreciated the benefactor more? Which one? The Pharisees said, I guess the one that owed more. He says, right. And he goes on in Luke chapter seven, verse seven to say, 47, the one who is forgiven little loves little. He says, see the, the, the woman, she's on her feet, she's, she's down, she's crying. She's like, I shouldn't even be in front of you. Oh my gosh, I, I can't believe you allow me in your presence. Oh God, I'm so thankful just to be around you. And she's crying and she's weeping because she just thinks the debt that she has is so insurmountable that all oh, you paid for me, you redeemed me, you bought me, I love you. And the Pharisees are like, I've been good my whole life. You know what I'm saying? I, <laughs> Does it take all that? I mean, come on, girl, get up. And there's this difference of perspective. You see, we have to appreciate the depth of our sin, the depth of the cross, the power of redemption. We have to look at the cross and see the blood. Watch Jesus suffer. Understand that this Imagery of a cross was not just a a good man dying. This was the son of God dying for me. And the more that you stare, don't look away, stare at the cross and you apply it to your life and you allow your heart to be inflamed, we end up like that woman. Look at all you've done for me. You look deeply at the life of Jesus. You begin to walk and your love of God, and then you begin to see your sonship, the beauty of your your relationship with God. The Bible says in Romans chapter eight, you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies together with our spirit. We are children of God. The, The phrase Abba, Father, intimacy, daddy, this deep, intimate connection. And essentially, we do not operate in the authority of being a child of God until we cry out, Abba, father, daddy. Until you get to that cry out part, you're not really fully operating in how much God wants connection with you. My kids have never seen a conversation they couldn't interrupt. It does not matter. I, I mean, somebody could be like, so Pastor James, right? Like, <gasps> I think I'm gonna die. And my daughter's like, can I go outside? And um, <laughs> I, f- I figured this would be a good moment to, no! Oh my gosh, what in the world? Is there any moment I, can, I can't? I know you ever like when you were growing up, you heard your parents like, "I can't get no peace. I can't have nothing for myself." I'm saying the same things now. Gosh, leave me alone. Or I say, "Go, Ash Obama," which is every good dad's second choice. Listen, kids interrupt. Kids are bold. Kids are, kids are incredibly bold because they know you love me and you're going to give me something at some point. Kids are about interruptions. That's, that is what they are about. Amen? They come in the world interrupting. There's just one big interruption. So until... Until you can see, until you get this boldness, God's got it for me, God loves me. Until you get that boldness, you're not walking in the authority of your sonship. Now, now look, look, Jesus tells a story and he tells this story in Luke chapter 11 to illustrate how it feels when we pray to God and think God is not interested in our prayers. Now, if you haven't been there, you haven't been praying. Because if you pray, if you pray long enough, you're gonna like wonder, like, okay, are you asleep? Or what's up? Do you still, does this still like is that still part of your job description? Answering prayers? Hello. Right? Right? If you haven't never felt that, just keep praying for something tonight. And this is gonna struggle. You're gonna struggle. Right? Luke. Now, Luke 11, Luke 11, the point of Luke 11 is not saying God doesn't want to answer our prayers. What the point is, is saying this is what it feels like when we persistently come to God. Look here, look here. Luke chapter 11, verses 5 and 7. Suppose, Jesus is telling the story, suppose one of you has a friend, goes to him at midnight. Remember, it's midnight. It's time to go night-night. Says to him, friend... Lend me three loaves of bread. Now, the kids are most likely up in bed with the dad. Their door is closed. Everybody's asleep. And then they're saying, because a friend of mine, they're not even saying they need bread. They're saying they got a friend. Because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I don't have anything to offer him. Now, this is an audacious, bold moment that they are clearly, it's midnight bothering somebody right you got a friend you can call at 2am yeah, you got a friend like that okay this is what he's saying then he will answer the person this is this is what he says then he will answer from inside and say don't bother me leave me alone I'm tired the door is already locked I'll give you one reason my ch- and my children have gone to bed second reason and i can't get up and give you anything you ain't going to get nothing tonight. You need to about some bread and your friend bread. Go to bed, right? That's what, okay? That's, that's, the, that's what you're supposed to feel from this text. Then verse 8, he says, Jesus says, Jesus says, I tell you. I'm giving you this illustration to give you a point, he's saying. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything, Because he is his friend, now look at this, yet because of his friends, look at that, shameless boldness. Shameless boldness. His shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I, look at that. So I say to you, listen to me. Don't even listen to yourself. So I say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find it. Knock, and the door will be open to you. The door will be open to you. Not because you asked, but because you were persistent, shameless persistence. As the illustration goes, from last week, we talked about how we're in Christ now. We're gonna have some sin. We're gonna have some things of the past, things of our family knocking at our door. And we're we're gonna tell those things, we're in Christ. We got a new address. You got the right person, but you got the wrong address. But the Christian life is not just about not sinning. The Christian life is about experiencing the presence and the power of God. It's about joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. It's about having abundance because it's called the abundant life. So in this house, what we do is, we're not feeling no peace, so we go upstairs to daddy. Now, the slave, the slave mentality, they go to the door. Um okay. God or father or, oh my gosh. Um, um I'm like whew, I'm going through some things right now. It's like my world is like chaotic and it's like I'm dealing with some stuff at work and people and this is in this relationship, it's crazy. But anyway, I'm just wondering, can I can I get some peace? Because I need some I need some peace. And God says. Yeah, you can, I just, give me, give me just a second. I'm a, I got, I'm just, I'm just changing the world right now. So just go ahead. Okay, let me change the world. And the slave goes, okay, 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 you just, you do that. Okay, I'm sorry. Sorry, I didn't mean to bother. What was I thinking? And they don't, they don't go back. They're like, I I don't want to bother. I don't want to bother. I know you're doing, you're doing big things. The sun sees the slave like nah no, she's doing it wrong. Shoot. Daddy. Hey. 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 What you doing? I'm changing the world. What do you need? Oh. I need some peace. Okay, I'll I'll give you some peace just in a second. Oh, okay. He looks at the slave like, watch this. Daddy! Hey! Hey! What you doing? I'm doing the same thing I was doing a second. I'm changing the world. Oh, Okay. I ain't got no peace, though. Daddy! What? Look, I got a lot going on. I'll give you peace. Just wait. <laughs> I want some peace. I want some peace. peace. I want peace. I want peace. I want peace. I want peace. Ah! Take your (laughs) peace. Thank you, Daddy. (laughs) You're not a child until you start crying out. Persistently, shamelessly, boldly crying out, Daddy, I need you right now. I don't have the peace promise peace. And I believe your promises and I know you're good. So I'm crying out to you and I'm going to keep crying because kids keep crying till they get what they want. That's why it says they cry out. That's why the woman was so bold. That's why there he kept knocking, kept seeking. I wonder if you'd stand with me. In college, I was on a full scholarship and for football, and um, that meant that they paid for your books, they paid for your meals, they paid for your tuition, and most of the guys that I was with, you know, just came from backgrounds where this was all the money we had, you know, so we struggled. And... A lot of times, uh, ramen noodles was, amen. You learned how to do wonders with that thing, okay. And we 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 were broke all the time, all the time we were broke. But I I remember some of these kids, because I would go to the bank. You know, we try to go out at night. I go to the bank. That joint say insufficient funds. I'm like, I can't put none on the gas, but man, I'll be entertaining the whole night. I'll be very fun. I'm a very fun person. And we had this little, this little card. It was a burgundy card. And then I saw this one kid one night, and we were both looking at each other like we both broke. (laughs) I was going out. And he he, you know, I saw his receipt, he barely had anything in it. I barely had it in mind. Then he pulled out another card. And I was like, what's that? Oh, this, this is a card my dad got me. I was like, Your daddy gave you a different card? It's like, yeah. He says, Well, you know, I can access it whenever I want. He pulled out all this money. I was like, I was like, dad. You see, he had another credit line, he had some more resources, and he was constantly, and then there came a point later on in the semester where I didn't even see that burgundy card no more. He had his daddy's card all the time, and he operated in the riches of his father. Now, some of us are living spiritually check to check, where we constantly think it's about us, not knowing that we're spiritually wealthy, and we don't access the father's funds us. And so tonight, I wonder if you'd do this. In the Old Testament, they would give out a, a blessing, a blessing to the child, and they would lay their hands on the child, right on their head, and they would speak over their life. I wonder if you just lay your hands on your own head. Hear your Father. Hear your Father. I love you forms you in the womb, I have great blessings in store for your life. I've given you gifts and skills. I've given you so many things. And you're walking around with so much anger in your heart and you're walking around going off for a cheap thrill when I've got so much in store for you. And I want you tonight just to receive my blessings. Know the future that I have for you. Know the hope that I have for you. Know the goodness and kindness that I have for you. And though you walk in this valley, I am with you. And I I want you to know I love you. I want you to know I care for you. And I want you to experience my goodness. And tonight we wanna receive the blessing, every blessing, all the grace, all the forgiveness of God. We receive it tonight. We receive it tonight. I wonder if you lift your hands right now because that's what a child does when they reach up to their father. And we say, God, I receive your blessing. Oh God, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. Before I was an entrepreneur, I'm a child of God. Before I was a leader, I'm a child of God. Before I was a pastor, I'm a child of God. Before my looks, I was a child of God. Before I did anything, I was a child of God. I'm a child of God, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God, I'm a child of God, I'm a child of God, I'm a child of God. I am God's child. Receive, my daddy, and I cry out, Daddy, I love you, God. I'm no longer slave to fear. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com.